Boop, 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 boop. Welcome, friends, to Journey of Being a Disciple podcast, where I want to share with you all God is teaching me on this journey of being a disciple. It is currently Tuesday night when I'm recording this episode. I have done nothing almost all day. I put like a thing on my Instagram to uh, like ask people to interact with me because I'll be honest, I'm missing human interaction. It is uh, something that I genuinely am missing. Um, I haven't had that issue for a couple days into the, the quarantine, and like day 11, it hit me. It hit me that uh, I miss hanging out with people. Um, I am. I have a lot to cover in this podcast. I'm going to tell you right now. It's going to be a lot of information thrown at you. I think it's good stuff, though. Um, I'm just going to tell you the topic now before we pray so that when we pray, we can just go straight into it. Uh, we're going to be talking about godly friendships. Now, every single topic I've talked about so far has been something that like I've discovered inwardly or discovered about God to me and um, godly friendships is something that now involves other believers in Christ, other people, and it gets fishy, it gets weird, and it's something that um, I, I, I'm still learning a lot on. Um, but at the end of the day, I am pointing all of my relationships to Christ and asking Him what to do in all of them because it is very easy when it becomes other people. Um, you can be led by feelings and not by faith or not by God. So, we're going to go into that. Godly friendships is our topic for today. There's a lot of information I'm going to throw at you, but I think this is really good for us to know. I'm not going to rush through it. I'm not going to just do anything. It's because this is probably one of the hardest things, dealing with other believers in Christ, because we're all just a bunch of broken people, and we need a, broke, we need a perfect God. But when you put broken people together, there's just a bunch of brokenness. So um, it can be very easy for relationships uh, in any matter, from friendship to also um, marriage, it can it can get really crazy if you don't put God in it because we're, we're like I said we're all just messed up people. We got our issues, we got our sins, and um, at the end of the day, we need God in it. So I could just be talking about friendships, but that's not what I wanted to do. I'm talking about godly friendships. So let's take a moment to pray real quick, and we will jump straight into it. Here we go, Heavenly Father. Right now, I just want to ask you to come into this moment. And be with me as I speak what is on my mind and on my heart. Actually, just on my heart, because I want you to give me everything that I have to say. May I be able to shed some wisdom and some light onto friendships and why we should keep you at the center of them. God, I just ask for whoever's listening to this, may they be able to enter a posture of receiving. May they be able to receive today's word, word that you've given me. And may they just be able to learn something from what you have shown me in my journey so far with you. Lastly, may I be a mouthpiece, God. May I just continue to make you famous. May I continue to put you on the throne where you belong and give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here we go. I use two separate analogies in this episode. And one's going to be the draft, and that has to do like with drafting and sports, NFL draft kind of. And then the ride, which is kind of in reference to like a roller coaster ride. So let's jump into it. Drafts. When I talk about drafts, I'm talking about like sports. And I'm talking about like NFL, like how they draft people onto the team. And I'm going to use football specifically just to get my point across. I'm going to use the analogy. I'm going to explain what I mean in it. So I categorize people into four different categories. And when I use the football analogy, I would cons- I would break them up into these four categories. I have fans, I have cheerleaders, I have players, and I have coaches. 
Okay? Those are the four. Let me explain them. Fans, I consider these people to be people I associate with, that I see around, that we have uh, constant contact sometimes, and we have similar interests, and we just know each other, and we, like, that, that, those are my fans. Okay? They're people that are in the crowd, they cheer you on, they're super proud of you, like, they're, they're excited whenever you're winning, um, but then, like, sometimes when you're losing, they're like, oh, man. Or like something like that, but they don't ever get in the game. They're not like jumping over the fence to get in the game with you. They're just they're watching, and those are I would consider fans, people that you associate with. Okay, cheerleaders. These are people that I would consider like your friends. These would be people that cheer you on. They don't play the game, but they they know that you're killing it. They they turn around and cheer you on, and then like even when you're doing having a bad game, they turn around to the crowd and they're like. Go, Roberto. They have your back. They're people that are there for you. Okay? These are people that I would say are cheerleaders. Now, people that are coaches, I would consider these people like big godly people. I would consider them mentors, people that help you navigate through life and give you direction. They're a little bit older sometimes and they have they're like an apostolic covering over you and they just kind of point, they, they intercede with you and they pray with you, but they got your back and they're like, hey, just I'm here for you. Let me help. Um, like coaches, they're on the sideline. They're, they're giving you calls to do, like, hey, do this. And, like, you could either do it or you don't have to do it. It's just, like, you listen to your coach or not. Like, you can, like, the teams get rid of coaches all the time. It's just, like, coaches are there to help you, and they're there to help you navigate through the field. So I consider those people to be BG, G, blah, 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 BGPs. So you have that. Now players. Players, I would say, is your inner circle. These are people who truly live life with you. They get down with you and they do the fight. They play the plays. They, they're well jumpers. They, they see that you're in trouble. They come and they try to help. They try to make openings. In football, they're your, they're your offensive linemen. You're the quarterback. They're the offensive linemen. They're the receivers. That's who they are. They are people that are in for you. So we talked about battles this week. It's, these are people that are willing to get down and be in the battle with you. These are those people. When thinking about your inner circle, you should be thinking like a draft. Who do you want to bring in on your team? Who do you want? What skill sets are you looking for to be in the game with you? Okay, there are people who are on your team that that maybe should be fans or cheerleaders. Not everyone is meant to be in your inner circle. If we had everyone on the field, it would get overcrowded, and that's when they call those like calls. They're like too many people on the field. I don't know. What, I don't know what it is. Uh, to be honest, on, on sports, like I said, but they like they throw a flag and they're like. There's too many people on the field. Get someone off. That's, that's a no-no. You don't want too many people on the field. There's, there's categories. Not everyone's going to be on the team. Not everyone is going to be there with you. There's people that are sometimes fans and cheerleaders that need to be put on the sidelines or put in the crowd. Because you need to make sure that the people that are on your team are willing and down to fight the fight with you. Okay? Now, here are I'm going to go into what I think and what I kind of pulled from scripture a little bit to make my like requirements to get on my team. And this is just me personally. This is me asking God like, hey, what are the things that, that you are making like priority? What do they have to do? What do they have to be? So here we go. When I look for my team, they have to have a common denominator. Okay. They have to love Jesus. They have to follow Jesus and they have to pursue him wholeheartedly. I take this from 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawfulness and lawlessness, sorry. Um, or what fellowship has light with darkness. Okay. 
I make sure that I am associating and I'm letting people on my team that follow Jesus and pursue him. I want to have a, a relationship with Jesus at all times. And I want to constantly pursue, pursue my father, the father. That is what I want to do. And I need people in my life to do that. Now, I have friends that are unbelievers. I do. But I don't let them speak into my life. Because they don't follow God. I have some Christian friends that are a little bit, that are just like, maybe they've accepted Christ into their life, but they're not fully following God. They're just kind of in it for like whatever it is. I don't let them speak into my life because they're not fully pursuing God. I really look for mature believers that are pursuing God, that can give me, that can be down for me, that are like, hey, when I tell them I'm going through a hard time, they're saying, we got you. We're there for you. That is what I look for. People that are like that. I don't want to be unequally yoked. This also includes believers. Like I said, don't yoke yourself with Christians that don't live a life that pursues God. Now, people put people in the inner circle that think it's okay to do wrong things. Do not let, like when you when you're letting people speak into your life, and then or like you're you're associating with people and all that stuff. And you're letting them on your team and they're not directing you the right way. That's, that's wrong. You want to be directed towards God. If there's something like you, if you want to be with God and all that, you want to respect your parents. You want to bring unity with your other friends. If there are people that are taking you away from that, you don't want them on your team. Okay? You have to put them in the right place. When you do that, you're being unequally yoked. You want to be equally yoked with the people that are on your team. You'll have the common denominator, which is Jesus. I pick people that follow Jesus and pursue him. Another thing I look for is that they look to Christ. They are led by God. They are not led by feelings, but they're led by faith. God needs to lead them. They need to be anchored in God and the truth. They, like the man that built his um, house on stone, they need to be anchored on the truth. If they're not, their house is going to blow away. They need to be anchored in Christ. They need to be looking and leading be led by Christ. Okay. Now my next one is be willing to get down and help you up. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. This person has your back. Okay, this person is going to be someone, I just skipped to the next one, sorry. This person, like it says in Ecclesiastes 4, it says, when one falls, there will be someone that lifts them up. We're going to go into the roller coaster and the ride in a second, but when you fall, it's going to be someone that says, okay, you messed up, let's get you back up on your feet. They're not just going to look at you and be like, okay, you're getting up? They are going to help me up. They're willing to get down and help me get up when I fall. Now, someone else, they have to have my back. That's what I was saying next. It goes on in Ecclesiastes 4 to say, A person standing alone will be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Get that picture in your head. Back to back. I need someone that's willing to stand back to back with me, not stand face to face. I don't need someone to see everything eye to eye with me. They see things that I don't see when they have my back. 
They can get real with me and call me out on things that I might not see. They have to have my back. They ha- I, I let them challenge me. If they're not challenging me, I'm like, okay, well, we, get, we agree a lot. But then like if I'm in sin or something like that, if I've fallen, if, they're like, if they get down on the floor and just say like, hey, you doing well? They don't have your back. They're letting you lay on the ground. They're letting you, whatever dropped you, they're going to let it keep you down. Find someone that has your back. And when I say have your back, doesn't mean they always agree with you. That's the one thing. It's like, I use this, this uh, example of some lady and uh, it was really, it was, a, it was, I was teaching for students. So I was trying to make them laugh. And I was like, this lady, she's like really pissed. Her boy, like Tyrone just messed with her. And she's like, Susie, Susie, Tyrone messed me, like whatever. And Susie's like, let's go get him. Like, no, you don't need to do that. That's someone that's just like, okay, let's go take revenge. They're not, that's not right. Someone's like, hey, he's not worth it. It's like, no, but like, he was like, he's not worth it. He's not treating you right. Why would like, but then you're like, no, but he, he is such a good boyfriend, but he doesn't treat you right. He, he, like, he doesn't do that. Find someone that has your back. Okay. Again, like, like I said, they have to have a common denominator. It's Jesus. They have to look to Christ. They have to be led by God, led, led by their faith, not by their feelings. Someone that is willing to get down and help you when you fall and they need to have your back, and I'm saying this because that's what I look for in my people. You must make sure your players are willing to do some of these things, or you will end up hurting your team. If you have someone that's not willing to come defend the quarterback, someone's going to run in and tackle you. The enemy's going to come in, he's going to tackle you, and he's going to be like, "Oh, quarterback's down, but the ball fumbled." Or like, not that's a bad, that's bad, bad on my head. But like, oh, he has the ball still, and people are jumping on him. Should I like try to jump on him and like try to get the people off, or should I just watch him and be like, hey, get get out of the get out of the, the tumble, get out? It's like no, they're not gonna like no, that's not the case. You don't want people like that. You need to be very, like not picky, but you need to choose your team wisely, because if you don't choose your team wisely, it can end up hurting the team, and the team is you. You're the team. You're the quarterback. You're going to get hurt if you don't choose the right people to help you defend and fight the battle of life. Okay. Now, the ride. Godly friendships are like a roller coaster. I got this all from a message I heard called Roller Coaster of Godly Relationships. It's by Mike Todd at Transformation Church. It's a great message. I'm going to be honest with you. I got it all from him. He does a great job um, resembling the what the journey of being godly relationships are to a roller coaster and he relates that to also Jesus and Peter's relationship in the Bible. So I am going to talk about that. I encourage you to listen to his message about 55 minutes long and he has like seven points. I'm going to go over four specifically that I can really relate with and talk to you about. Um, but let's jump into it because it's, it's really good content. Um, the ride, the first thing he starts off when he talk, starts his message is like, hey, the ride is not for everyone. There are people that should not be on the ride because they either will abandon in the middle of the ride or they will make the ride unbearable and they will cause more damage to you because of that if you let them on. Um, like I said in the draft part, it's there's people that should be on your team. You got to choose wisely. So we've gone through that analogy of like making sure you have your requirements. The people on your team are going to be the people that you do this ride with this godly friendship roller coaster. Okay. So make sure you know that we're going to move on from that. Now you have picked your people. They are going to be on the ride with you. You have to first commit to the ride. I'm going to go through the ride. I'm going to tell you what's going on in this ride. You have to be willing to commit to that with this person and understand that. Okay. 
If you don't commit and you jump off or they jump off early, it can be fatal to both parties. In Matthew 4, 19 and 20, Jesus called out to them. This is Peter and, and people. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and they followed him. Peter heard the invitation to be on the ride with Jesus and he dropped his nets and he committed to it. He's like, okay, I'm out. Let's go. Let's follow him. He committed to Jesus. You need to have people that commit to the ride. You need to commit to the ride with people. Okay. Now you're on the ride. What always happens when you're on a roller coaster? You go around the first corner and then you start going up. There's an incline. You start going up. This is called embrace the incline of encouragement. Okay. There has to be a climate of encouragement. When you are going up, there should be a healthy climate of encouragement. John 1 42 says this, Andrew brought his brother Simon to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Caphias, sorry, I said that wrong, which translates to Peter. So we're now talking to Peter. Peter was named Simon before. Jesus sees him and he's like, you're Simon, son of John. Now you're Peter. Simon means wavering one. Peter means rock. Jesus committed to Peter, and Jesus saw what condition Peter was in. He saw that he was Simon. He was a wavering one. And when he saw what he was in, he then addressed him to what he will be. He did not, con- he did not consider continue calling him Simon. He said, okay, you have been a wavering one and all that stuff, but I, now, I see you as what, what you're going to be in the future. You are going to be a rock, Petra. At the beginning of the ride, your friends should see you for who God is making you to be and not what you have gone through or who you are at the moment. When you commit to the ride, you're going to be someone that's kind of messed up. They're going to be messed up. But while you're in that incline, they need to be able to see the person that God's creating you to be. There should be a healthy climate of encouragement. Okay? They shouldn't be pulling your past up all the time. You learn from it. You move on. Okay? They don't see the messed up person that you are now, they see who you're going to be and who God has created you to be and what you're going to become, okay? Now, when you get to the top of the hill, what happens? There's always a drop. This now is categorized as drops of disappointment. There will be points of disappointment, but we should not abort being in the relationship. We know when we commit to the ride that there will be drops of disappointment, okay? Now, let's look at Jesus' story. Jesus is at the hardest point of his life, Okay, he is about to go to the cross and he goes to Yosemite. I know I said that wrong. I apologize. And he takes Peter, James and John. He takes all his disciples first. And then he's like, hey, Peter, James and John, come deeper with me. I'm, I need you guys right now. Okay. And he goes deeper into the garden. And then he says, Peter, James and John, I'm going to go further. I'm going to go further in. Stay here. Pray with me. Be with me. I need you guys right now. And they're like, okay, we got you, Jesus. We're going to pray for you. We're going to be here for you. Go go talk to the Father. We'll be here when you come back. And this is where we pick up in Matthew 26, 39. He went a little further and bowed his face to the ground, praying, My Father, if possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to Peter, James, and John, his disciples, and he found them asleep. And he said, Peter! This is how I know Jesus was disappointed. He said, Peter! Couldn't you watch with me for even one hour? 
You couldn't, you couldn't watch with me for an hour. You couldn't do that. And they all wake up. We're we here, God. We're here, God. Like, sorry. We fell asleep. We're here. We got this. Okay? We're here, Jesus. Sorry. They say, okay. I'm going to go back and pray. Please just continue praying for me. And they say, okay. This happens two more times. He goes. Comes back. They're asleep. He, he, he addresses that he's upset. Goes back. Comes, uh, comes, uh, he goes. Comes back. And he, they're asleep still. And he's like, man, you know what? You guys couldn't stay up. You couldn't. Just go back. Get your rest. The time's now. I'm going to get arrested and I'm going going to start this cross thing. So he was upset. Now, when people disappoint me three times back then, I used to be like, I'm not having you. Like, even when they disappointed me once, I was like, I'm skeptical now. You can't be my friend. But after three times, Jesus did not do that. Jesus addressed the disappointment but did not abort the relationship. We are to address disappointment. There's going to be disappointment. We have to realize that. But we need to address it and not just support the relationship. Because that's very easy. I'll, I'll be honest. I'll, I'll, I will be the first one to speak. When someone disappoints me, disappoints me, the first thing I'm going to do is be like, mm, I'm not talking to them. And then they have to be like, Roberto, everything all right? Like, no, it's actually not all right. Mm. It's been like two weeks after. It's been like two weeks since I was really upset. But it's not all right. Like, I've been, I've been faster. I'm pissed. Like, you need to address disappointment when it happens. And not let it. Just a, a corrupt and ruin your relationship. And this is where we go to the next part. After that drop, there should always be a rise of reconciliation. We should be quick to reconcile when things go wrong. Okay, we need to address it when it happens. We need to reconcile right away. We should be quick to do that. You need to be ready and able to forgive. Our godly connection is better than disunity. When you are holding stuff and you're not addressing things, there's disunity because you're not being honest. Only when there's unity, God's able to bless it. Because you're being honest and you're being open. You're walking in the light and you're able to tell people when you're disappointed. Okay. So let's look at John 21, 7. This is after Jesus has uh, died on the cross and he three days later he has resurrected. This is after Peter has denied Jesus three times and um, everything has happened with just the arrest in, uh, in the garden and he's taken and the disciples they all like freak out and they, they all deny him so it goes into this in John 21 7 after Jesus' resurrection and Peter denied him three times then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter it's the Lord and when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his tunic for he had stripped it for working and jumped into the water and headed to shore Peter, after all that had happened between him and Jesus and losing the connection and betraying him, he jumped at the first opportunity to reconcile with Jesus. He jumped right into the water and went to him. He knew he denied him. Like Jesus even told him, like, you're going to deny me. He's like, no, nah, I'm never going to do that. He's like, and he did it. And he lost a connection with Jesus. And when he saw and he heard Jesus was on the shore, he's like, I'm, I'm heading the shore. I am not like waiting until this boat gets there. I'm going. We need to be quick to reconcile. We should jump out of our pride. Now, I'm going to talk to both ends. If you're someone that disappointed someone or messed up or something like that, you need to jump out of your pride and humble yourself and apologize when you are wrong. On the other end, when you're the person that's receiving the, the wrongness and all that, we need to be so quick and fast to forgive. We should be quick to reconcile. Okay? Godly friendships are a ride. Those are the four that I picked that I really could connect with. Don't get off the ride 
Don't give up on godly relationships. Godly relationships, okay? Make sure they're godly relationships. Don't just, like some people that they, they, they aren't on the ride with you, they didn't commit, like you trying to save that, don't. You, like that, that's different. Don't give up on godly relationships. Don't give up on your inner circle because it takes work and investment to get through it. Now to just close all this, I, I want to say this. I have really, like I said, connected with those four because I have a relationship like that. I have someone that I have been on that relationship with and I can, I can honestly say that I have been through it and it is working for me. Um, this person, his name is Peter. I love this guy to death. Uh, I know we were just talking about Jesus and Peter. Um, I'm not Jesus, but Peter and I, Roberto, um, I'm very picky with my friends and, um, someone that is like Peter, I would never have guessed is my friend. When people see both of us and if you know Peter and you know me, we are very different. We are like polar opposites. Almost everything, our interest, like there's a lot, like we don't, like I can stay in my house for 11 days and be fine. He would freak out. He would probably have a heart attack if he didn't see people. Like I can not talk to people for a whole day. I'll be fine, and he, he like, he'll be upset. I know he would, and I'll, I'll take the heat that I just said that. Um, but it's just, we're very different. He loves sports. I don't. <laughs> we're just, it's, I, I, I'm done with that. We're, we're very different. I'll, you, if you want to know more about that, let me know. But we both have, I have checked all the boxes. I have made sure that I have chose wisely with him. And that he has all those requirements that I need in someone that's going to be on the, the inner circle with me. They're going to be on the ride with me. And we both love Jesus. We have that common denominator. We both push each other to God. He looks to God and he's he has a firm foundation in him. And um, I love that man to death. We push each other very hard. And we, um, iron sharpens iron. Him and I are two hard pieces of iron. And um, we're, we're definitely rubbing across each other and we're making each other better. And... Um, we're there for each other. He has my back. It's someone that he does see where uh, we do see eye to eye at times. But um, if there's anyone, him and I, we will push back on each other. And we'll be like, hey, I don't know if that's right. Or I don't know if you're seeing this. So um, we've made sure that we have those requirements. And that he's. I made sure he is qualified to be on my team. And he has made sure, like, he's let me be on his team. I, I have those qualifications, whatever they are. Yeah, I'm on his team. And we are on the ride together, okay? We have committed to each other. We understand that there is going to be times of disappointment. We understand that um, we need we need to just embrace that we are different and know that it's going to be times where we're going to mess up and we both understand we're broken people, okay? But we see who God has made both of us to be. We both have passed, but we don't let that define who we are. We don't, like at the moment... If we mess up or something, we don't like say like, oh, we don't address like, oh, this is like who you are. We address like, hey, okay, let's go. God's made you to be this person. Let's move forward from this. Okay. We, we have that relationship and we're quick to forgive each other when it comes to times of disappointment and times of failing each other. Um, Peter, is, he has forgiven me many times and I am grateful for that because he, he just believes that um, God forgives us. Like he needs to, we need to forgive the same way God forgives. And um, I believe that's so powerful what him and I have. God is truly at the center of our relationship and I could not ask for someone better on it, even though I would never assume it would be him. Um, so I, I'm telling you all this stuff because I have seen it work. I've seen this ride. I have 
I've had friends in my life that have been messed up and they shouldn't be on my ride and they've they just some of them they've been on the ride with me and like it's like okay time to get off and um I've seen some of this and it's hard relationships friendships are hard especially when we're just a bunch of crazy people and we're just trying to make friendship work um but God needs to be at the center and I told you what I make requirements someone like Peter is someone that I have I've seen all those requirements in and he's been down to also committing to me for the ride that we're on in this relationship. And that's the same with like all the five people that I have that are in my, my close core um, friends. So just to recap all this, cause it's a little bit of a longer episode. Who are you drafting is very important. The draft is very important. Who is on your team? You need to choose wisely, choose wisely. Who's in that circle. Godly relationships, then once you get them on your team, are going to be like a roller coaster. It's going to be a little bit crazy at times. There's going to be disappointment. There's going to be um, times where you need to forgive. And there's going to be encouragement that happens, climates of that. But you need to commit to it, be on the ride. It takes investment to get through it. Okay. Now, that is all I have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to the episode. I talked about godly relationships. And I'm just going to give you a quick tease to season two coming up in in a little while. Season one ends this week. Um, but season two, we're going to be starting a series in the, in the season where it's going to be called digging into the journey. We're going to be talking about the journey of people and their, their journey of being a disciple. So we're going to give you some more information on that next week, but super excited for season two. You're going to want to listen to it. I'm not going to be the only one talking. I'm bringing on some people so that you can hear other people's journeys and uh, what God is teaching them. So really excited about that and expectant for God to show up in that. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you can like and share this. Leave us a review. We're on Apple Podcasts now, so you can leave us a review and you can put um, four or five stars. If you give me one star, I'll be upset. Um, Don't do it to be a troll. I'm going to fight you. Um, But please do that. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Let me know. Shoot, shoot me a text or something and let me know what you think about all this stuff. Hope was hope God was able to show you something and you're able to get something out of all this today. So next episode is going to be on the mind. I'm not going to say much more than that. You have to tune in, but make sure you tune in the next week's next episode. It's going to be about the mind. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. I hope God blesses you in extraordinary ways. Love you. Bye.